0: Okay, I am Chris Avina with American Outdoor News, and today we're here with uh, Taylor Schmitz from the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Uh, Taylor, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate you having us on. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation actually does for us? Uh, I'm, I'm aware, and I know a lot of my Uh, people are aware, but I don't think the general public really knows just how much you do for us.
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to, Chris. Um, So the Congressional Sportsman Foundation was established in 1989 um, to work with the bipartisan, bicameral Congressional Sportsman Caucus. Um, CSF is not a member-based organization like most of our partners in this space. Um, We also don't do any on-the-ground habitat work, which is really different than most of the other organizations in our space. Um, CSF is purely a policy organization. Don't get into any political fights. We're a nonpartisan organization that focuses solely on all issues, all issues that are important related to um, hunting, fishing, trapping, and recreational shooting policies across the country. Um, So we do have, we work with the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus here in D.C. Um, In my day-to-day job, I'm the Director of Federal Relations for CSF. Um, So I spend my time working the Capitol, um, working with the um, presidential administration on issues related to hunting, fishing, trapping, and recreational shooting. But then we also have a state policy team um, who represents um, hunters and anglers across the country in all 50 states. And the way that they do that is um, they have a network of state legislative sportsmen's caucuses. Um, So in each state legislature, similar to the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus in D.C., there are state legislative sportsman's caucuses that work on issues of importance to our community. Um, Where CSF really fits in there, we serve as a liaison to all of those caucuses at the federal and state level on all issues of importance to our community. Um, As I said, we're not a member-based group. We don't put Money on the ground for habitat or access work, but we help facilitate those policies and make sure that these programs can be in place for our partners in sportsmen and women across the country. So that's that's kind of where we fit in.
0: Uh, well, earlier this year, um, the Biden administration put in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, uh, which um, kind of slid by us that it would cut the federal funding for hunter education, uh, outdoor wilderness classes, archery in schools, things of that nature, uh, that would really affect outdoorsmen in general. Now, it didn't take you guys long to really jump on things and try and turn things around.
1: Yeah, that's that's right, Chris. So in June 2022, Congress passed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act um, and included in this bill was language that prohibited training school personnel um, in the use of a dangerous weapon. And I'm not an attorney, but obviously words matter, right? Um, Absolutely. Especially when you're talking about legislation where it's extremely nuanced and each, each, each word in a bill matters. Um, so the issue here is when Congress passed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, they amended the elementary and secondary Education Act, which provides about roughly 18 to $20 billion for various school programs across the country. Every single state receives this money, um, but they included prohibit, that prohibition on dangerous weapon. And the challenge is, is that a dangerous weapon is defined in U.S. code as a weapon, device, instrument, material, or substance, animate or animate, that is used for readily capable of causing death or serious bodily injury except that that term does not provide to a pocket knife with a blade of less than two and a half inches. So when you take that plain language, it applies to everything, right? Not just yeah. the issues that we're focused on at CSF, be, like you mentioned as archery in schools, wilderness courses, school sponsored shooting teams, et cetera, but it can even be applied to bunts and burners in the classroom or culinary class, classes or culinary knives and home ec, right? Sure. Um, so this is a, a serious issue and, and that's really Um, Kind of the the quick
0: overview of
1: of the Bipartisan Paper Communities Act and its impacts on our community, but happy to dive into it further.
0: So I think what it really comes down to uh, as far as um, Congress putting through bills, they really have to scrutinize word for word uh, what these bills are actually stating or what they're trying to sneak in there without us seeing uh, or realizing until it's passed. Uh, or things like this. And we saw this in New York um, when the governor put through her, one of her new gun bills. Uh, actually, I think this was under Tacoma. Um, with the magazine restrictions where police officers were, would actually be breaking the law because their magazines were a lot more than, uh, than were stated in the law. So uh, in essence... Um, you guys, uh, the the um, Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation actually helped facilitate the HR 5110, which was the Hunting Heritage and Education Act. Now, yeah, how, that, that... go ahead, Chris. How how did you catch what was in there, and how did you help facilitate the uh, Hunting Heritage and Education Act?
1: Yeah, so before going into the Hunting, Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act, I'll provide just, a, I think you made an important point there, right? Um, there's the legislative intent, right? And then there's the unintended consequences of legislation. And to your point, right? When you're drafting bills, you have to sit down and really think about what each word's going to do in reality and how that's going to be implemented, right? The Congress has their intent and then sometimes words can be misconstrued or sometimes the language is so clear that the people implementing the language within the administration at both the state and federal level are largely limited in what they can do in terms of you know twisting the words a little bit so that was really the issue with the bipartisan safer communities act is the legislative intent was to prohibit training for school resource officers and security personnel it was not to impact the the programs that were interested in at CSF. But again, the unfortunate reality is that um, words do matter, and sometimes when they're not, the language isn't tight enough or specific enough. There are unintended consequences, and that was the case here. Um, Lateral damage. Exactly. There's. I don't. You know, our position at CSF, and I strongly believe this is not a nefarious attempt or um, any effort to undermine these programs um, across the country. But it's just it's just the reality of the language. So, with that in mind. Um, Congress did step in extremely quickly. Um, we first heard about this really coming to a head in Alaska, um, where the state, rec- state Education Recreation Coordinator had heard from some folks at the U.S. Department of Education that Elementary and Secondary Education Act funds were no longer available for wilderness courts. And then we started to see that trickle down um, to other states for archery and schools, hunter education, um, school-sponsored treated teams, any any program that utilizes what's technically a dangerous weapon right so congress stepped in once congress got word of this um they stepped in the first bill out there was known as protecting hunting heritage and education act as you mentioned which was led by um, congressional Sportsman's caucus members mark green out of tennessee and congressman richard hudson out of north carolina um they were the first ones to jump jump on this that said i think everybody across the gamut recognized, um, recognized the trouble, trouble with banning federal funds for these programs, right? Mm-hmm. So you really saw a, a very coordinated, um, very proactive response from um, members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, right? The beauty of these issues is it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Tea Party, you're out there because you love hunting, fishing, you love recreational shooting and traffic, right? Yep. Um, so we saw a very quick response to this and, um, Congressman Green introduced his bill in early August. Um, Congress was on recess at that point. But as soon as they got back, as soon as the House was back the very first week in September, the week of September 13th, um, they took this bill up at the committee level, right? And as everybody knows, bill has to go through committee first and then it can be brought to the floor for further consideration. So they passed this bill at the committee committee level unanimously. And then um, the following week in the House, they passed this bill 424 to 1. Um, at a time when Congress is as divided as it is, um, passing legislation with a margin that wide is largely unheard of, right?
0: Sure. It's a um, landslide.
1: <laughs> it is. So then a week later, uh, or actually online, a day later. Um, the Senate took up the Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act, um, and they quickly expedited this process through a procedural motion. I won't get into that because it's pretty nuanced. But as we know, the yeah. Senate is, you know, a very very slow moving body. But again, recognizing you know the value of these programs for sportsmen and women across the country, millions and millions of students across the country in terms of building camaraderie, um, teaching responsibility and life lessons, the Senate stepped in quickly and expedited the process to move this bill, and less than 24 hours after the House passed this bill, the Senate passed it unanimously. That's um,
0: really fast in in, in this climate. <laughs> it, it's incredibly fast. I mean, the fact that it
1: took um, less than really two months for this bill to be, be drafted, introduced, and passed both chambers of Congress with the current dynamics in Congress right now is, is really unheard of.
0: It's unprecedented. Um, I, you don't see that.
1: <laughs> it is. That's exactly right. So where the bill's at now, we're currently um, waiting for the bill has officially been sent to President Biden for signature. Um, we have heard that he intends to sign this um, again. I think, you know, at the department or at the White House and the Department of Education, they recognize the value of these programs
0: and sure. um, they want to fully support them. So that's where we're at generally right now. Well, I mean, it's good to know that we have uh, organizations such as yours that keep us not only informed, um, you influence on our behalf and you defend our traditions, which, you know, uh, the average sportsman, I think, takes for granted.
1: Yeah, I I think so, Chris. And I think, you know, we have such a rich history of, you know, hunting, fishing, fishing, um and other outdoor activities in our country. And um, we, I think we as a community do take those opportunities for granted sometimes. Right. And um, we're seeing, we're seeing things across the country at both the federal and state level. Um, frankly, they're just attacks on our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're starting to see some coordinated, you're starting to see more coordination from our community, which is really, really encouraging to see. And, um, you know, where CSF kind of fits into this is politics is not always an attractive game, right? It can be nah. messy. Um, it, it's a lot of personalities that you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, for us to go out and do the things that we love, we have to make sure that the policies are in place to help facilitate those opportunities. Um, you know, I, I love my job, right? I'm very fortunate um, to work on hunting and fishing policy every single day. But if you're asking me if I'd rather you know, be working on policy or actually be hunting and fishing, I can tell you which one I'm going to get to, right?
0: You and um, me both.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. So.
0: Well, you know, I, I know that this administration uh, uh, says they champion for the outdoors and protecting the environment, but uh, it isn't always in the sportsman's best interest. Uh, there's lead bans going on right now that don't only hurt Uh, hunters as fishermen as well. You can't use lead sinkers. You can't use uh, lead shot, lead bullets, which uh, adds to cost. Um, There's um, other restrictions going on, as you know. Is there anything that uh, we should know as far as what your congressional sportsman is working on? I would
1: say the biggest thing that we're working on, um, Chris, and this is, you know, just a general comment is just working on not only maintaining access for our community, but promoting access and enhancing access, right? It's easy for us to, you know, be happy with what we have, but we also need to make sure that we're facilitating additional opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And access can be often a difficult term to define, right? Is access, you know, being able to drive your truck right up to the Forest Service unit, or is it, you know, having a park, at at the Forest Service gate and walk two miles back? What is defined as access? I would say, you know, the administration, certainly um, we are working with them every single day on all of the issues that you mentioned. Um, One thing that I do think is important to give credit to the Biden-Harris administration is that they're always willing to have those tough conversations with us. Um, We recognize that there are certain areas that we have to agree to disagree, right? Yep. But let's not let that impact the, you know, 95% of other things that we do agree on. Um, and that's, it is encouraging to see that, right? We have very good relations with the folks in the Biden-Harris administration. And, you know, that's just the nature of CSF being a nonpartisan organization, right? Um, and, and these issues really being nonpartisan. But again, you know, the, we recognize that The administration has challenges, um, Mm -hmm. coming from the other side of the spectrum. But again, their willingness to have those tough conversations with us in an honest and open manner, um, really does go a long way. And again, we know we're not going to agree on everything, right? Of course not. Um, It it doesn't matter who's in office. We're not going to agree on everything, right? But the willingness to have those tough conversations is, is what's important at the end of the day. And, um, you know, the administration's willingness to with a diverse group of stakeholders from our community, whether it's, you know, NGOs like CSF or some of our partners that do put the money on the ground or even, you know, talking on the lead stuff, right, where they're having conversations with those businesses that are manufacturing um, lead ammunition, those businesses that are manufacturing lead tackle, and really hearing from those businesses about how some of these uh, phase-outs that will be effective in 2026 will actually... Not only impact sportsmen and women, but impact those that are actually
0: manufacturing these products, right? Sure. And um, the it's, impact it's, on, on, a, on the economy as well. That's exactly right. And, you know, the, the economy, but also the
1: challenges with just switching to non-lead products, right? There are certain things you mentioned, you know, fishing thinkers, right? There are certain, uh, metal materials that simply do not work for, <laughs> Um, fishing sinkers right that yep. is by and far not only most cost effective but it's also the most effective material in and of itself right sure. um, so it's you know we're working on those issues every single day um, but again it is encouraging to see um, the administration at least willing to have those conversations with
0: us that's a major step you know that's if they're not willing to talk we're not getting anywhere the fight is a lot harder
1: yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, they, the administration does um, support our community. They do recognize the value of these programs um, and activities, not just for, you know, for recreation, but also for conservation, right? It's it's yeah. obviously not lost on you that sportsmen and women are the greatest conservationists in the country and we, you know, not only talk, talk the talk, but we walk the walk and put our money where our mouth is, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it, they do recognize that. And I think there are opportunities to um, advance our interests within the current administration and recognizing that we do have some challenges that we do have to work through.
0: No, I think one of the biggest challenges that we come across is that the average sportsman is not as informed as they should be uh, to the issues that are going to affect their long-term lifestyle. How do we keep them informed and how do we engage them to be more active in in um uh helping facilitate uh the preservation of our traditions? Yeah, I think yeah, the
1: simple thing is, Chris, is to follow your conservation partners, right? Um, everybody in our community is a member of at least one conservation organization, right? Sure. Whether you're a duck hunter and you love, you know, California waterfowl or Ducks Unlimited or Delta Waterfowl, um, or Turkey Hunter with Turkey Federation, right? Um, subscribe to those organizations. Subscribe to the Congressional Sports and Foundation weekly newsletter, right? It's free for us. And that contains all of the information that's going around across the country and it's broken down in a manner um that makes it clear how this actually impacts you. So the simple answer is, is get engaged with your NGO partners. Um, they are working you know, our our partners range um, from anybody from freshwater fishing to saltwater fishing, direct shooting to turkey hunting, um, big game hunting, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So, but we're all working together in a collaborative manner to address these issues. And we're all putting out a lot of information about what's going on. So the simple answer is just engage with those folks. Um, that, you know, as we've talked about, Policy and politics is a nuanced thing, right? But it does have real-life implications for our community, yeah. and you know sometimes it requires thinking through this, right? You know when you look at an example, I'm a resident of Maryland, lifelong resident of Maryland, still hunt and fish in Maryland, um, 70 plus days a year. We just went through a pretty significant, I won't say significant, but significant enough license fee increase in the state, right? And that was the first time we've had a license fee increase in the state of Maryland in 30 years. And I, you know, heard a lot and saw a lot of opposition to that license fee increase. Right. But I think it's because folks don't recognize that they, they believe it's more floating up bureaucracy at the state agency level. And it's not money actually going on the ground to help the things that we love and care about and the things that we cherish. Right. So it's, it's also, you know, staying up to date on with our conservation partners, but really thinking through, okay, how is this going to help the things that I love or how is this going to hurt the things that I love?
0: Well, uh, you know, everybody really has to do their part because there's a lot going on today. Um, and, you know, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm on the board of directors for the Northeast chapter Dallas Safari club. And, you know, we've always been a big supporter of, uh, congressional uh sportsman's foundation but um i think we have to be more vocal as a chapter as well and get out and inform and uh keep our members aware of what's going on it's not always about writing a check and letting it letting the other guy do it it's about getting your own feet wet and rolling up your sleeves and doing it yourself as well
1: yeah, that's exactly right. And and you're absolutely right. Dallas Safari Club has been one of CSF's best partners over the last three decades. Um, Dallas Safari Club President and CEO Corey Mason is actually a board member of CSF and um, is a fantastic board member for us and is really a true leader in our space. And um, that partnership is certainly not lost on us. But to your point, right, it's we have to make sure that our voices are heard, but we also have to be effectively communicating this information to the general public. Right. Um, You and I both know that hunters represent less than 5% of the population. Yep. And By and large hunting is widely accepted across the country, but we're starting to see that acceptance rate decline. And that's because we, as sportsmen and women are not communicating the benefits and the value of these programs as effectively as we should. And, you know, hunting activities is not going to be lost overnight, right? It's going to slowly, slowly be lost because public opinion and public perception of these programs and activities has changed, right? And yep. we need to be doing everything we can to talk about the value of these
0: activities. Well, it's a, it's the long game. You take a little, take a little, take a little before you know it. Uh, you, you're losing the use of uh, a public lands or... Um, The right to use certain products or or certain metals, things of that nature. Um, You know, we just have to be more aware and more proactive. Yep, that's exactly right. And proactive is key,
1: right? What we've seen from you know, for lack of a better term, the animal right organizations that are working every single day to undermine the things that we care about—they're proactive. Um, Mm The reality is, um, they're well-funded. Um, they have a lot of staff, a lot of attorneys yeah. um, that can that fight these things every single day. And, you know, you have groups like CSF and Dallas Safari Club and others that are working to fight back. Um, and we need to keep being proactive as a community to make sure that these efforts from the animals rights groups are not um, undermining any of the success that we've had over the last uh, century or so.
0: That actually brings up a really good point. What exactly do these animal rights groups do to uh, help conservation or uh, the preservation of a specific specific species? Or what do they actually do? Do they put money into these programs or do they just put their money into hate campaigns?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, they tie up a lot of conservation money and a lot of resources through litigation, Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is laws take a lot of time and a lot of money, and you know, the, there's a couple of ways that the animal rights group try to undermine our community, and one of them primarily is through litigation. Um, but the other effort that we're seeing right now is ballot box biology, right, where you're putting an initiative before you know the general public at X, X state and saying, how do you feel about this? Let's go vote on it. Um, you know, we saw this in 2022 in Oregon with IP, uh, IP 13 that sought to ban all hunting, fishing, and livestock slaughter. I mean, the question is that I have for folks is how do they expect us to eat, right? If we can't hunt, we can't fish, we can't raise livestock, you know, the reality is we don't have the space in this country for everybody to eat, you know, potatoes and asparagus. As much as I love that, we can't I'm, just. I'm not survive. equipped
0: to be a vegan.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, I would say they really prey on emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You and I both know that hunting is an emotional thing, right? It is not easy to take the life of a deer or a turkey um, or a fish even, Um, but they really prey on that individual emotion, right? Not the facts and the value of these um, programs. And they just conveniently ignore um, the value of these activities, right? They ignore that, you know, through through the excise taxes on firearms, ammunition, archery equipment, there's about a billion to $1.2 billion every single year going back to state-based conservation. Same thing on the fishing side with fishing tackle purchases, right? What other user group is contributing in the way that sportsmen and women are? The answer is not.
0: The fact that it's self-imposed. We self-imposed that Pittman Robinson Act that, uh, pulls a tax right off the top that goes directly into conservation.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, not only is it self-imposed, but we pride ourselves in it, right? This is something, you know, when I, I'm sure is the same as you, Chris, when I'm talking to, um, you know, friends and family that don't hunt or fish, and I say, hey, here's what, here's what this means for conservation. Here's what it means for conserving these species um it's Mm -hmm. you know billion dollars just from the hunting and shooting side that's going to conservation um and they're pretty blown away by that statistic right and i say now talk about talk about other user groups right non-consumptive user groups for lack of a better term they are not contributing to conservation it's just sportsmen and women
0: well i know firsthand i have quite a few friends that do not hunt but when I call them up and say, "Hey, I'm having a, a a game dinner, come on by." They're showing up with a bib and a plate in their hand.
1: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's funny how that works, you know. You invite a buddy out to sit in a deer stand and yeah, you know, sit there on a freezing metal ladder. They say no, but man, if there's a back shop or a deer stick, they want it. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you got a full schedule today, and uh, you got to continue the fight. I want to. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to keep us informed of the issues at hand and uh, where can uh, people sign up uh, for the newsletter a co- Congressional Sportsmen so they can stay uh, well informed?
1: Yeah. Let's, thank you, Chris. So the simplest way is to visit our website, congressional sportsmen, Um and on there you'll see the Sportsman's Voice, which is our a weekly newsletter, but we also have a podcast available on all, um, podcast streaming platforms ranging from Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, however you get your podcast known as the Sportsman's Voice. Um, so in that podcast, we do, you know, a roundup of all, a quick roundup of everything going on around the country, but then we spend time, um, diving into specific issues. So between our, the Sportsman's Voice newsletter and our Sportsman's Voice podcast, those are really the best ways Um, to stay engaged with DSF in addition to our social media platform. Um, But I would say, Chris, thank you very much for doing this podcast on such an important issue. Um, As we talked about, you know, these are the future generations of sports men and women, right? And the archery in schools program is extremely personal to me in particular, um, as somebody that had an archery in schools program in their high school classroom and loved it, right? So I would say thank you for doing this and um, really appreciate your partnership and Dallas Fire Club's partnership on all things related to CSF and hunting, fishing and our outdoor tradition.
0: Well, thanks again. And please let us know if there's anything that we could do to help get the word out. I'll do that. Thank you, Chris. Thanks again. Talk soon.